Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Legacy. 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 This is the Aztec Legacy Podcast with yours truly, Robert Ortiz, where we honor and learn from the legacies of the past, present, and future Aztecs. Today, I have the priv- privilege of having one of my former uh, teammates, uh, a guy that was in the trenches blocking for, for me, or at least our quarterback, so that I could get the ball. And um, he is probably one of the funniest, fun guys that I've, I've ever played with, and uh, definitely a guy that, that I, I look up to. So not only uh, physically, but also <laughs> aspirationally. So uh, we have today, Mr. Brendan Darby. What's going on, buddy? Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm over here, you know, trying to record all the legacies of the Aztec greats. All right. Well, I, I feel like there's probably uh, other guys you, you could have gone with first before me, but I'm honored. So I'll, uh, I'll take it as a compliment. Well, you're, you're the only one that took my call. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, I'm desperate. <laughs> I wish I wish uh, you guys could see uh, Brendan's mustache right now. It's it's pretty legit. You know, he's uh he's got a a nice little I don't know what you call it. Troop, what is it? Super troop, super trooper. Stash? Yeah, it's kind of like I'd almost say you know because I got the I got the flavor saver too, so I almost say it's like a little bit of a Doc Holiday. You yeah. know, if you've seen Tombstone. Yeah, of course. Nice. I yeah. like it. I like that one better. Yeah, we all, uh, I think a lot of us like at work and stuff, we're just kind of, like we're on Zoom calls all day. So we just thought it'd be funny if we all grew mustaches. And so, you know, just <laughs> That's get another one of those weird things you do uh, <laughs> when you're when you're in quarantine. And <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Let's jump into your journey. Um, all right. Again, we're, we're learning from the legacy of Brendan Darby. And um, tell us a little bit about yourself as a teenager. Uh, high school player um, and where you grew up to be honest yeah so uh, I grew up in Tiburon California um, it's in Marin County which uh, if you're not familiar uh, the easiest way to think about it is the Golden Gate Bridge connects San Francisco to Marin County so oh, nice. um, could could literally see the the bridge and, and San Francisco from my parents' house, you know, right there, right outside the city, um, which also meant I was a, a huge Niners fan, um, big Niners family. My grandfather had season tickets from the very first season um, in Kizar Stadium, which is in San Francisco. Wow. Um, so the, the Niners first stadium was actually in San Francisco, and uh, <laughs> then they moved a little farther out, even though it was technically still San Francisco, to Candlestick, and then now they're, I don't know, uh, anywhere from 40 minutes to two hours, depending on traffic. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so, so grew up, um, in the Bay area and, you know, it was not, um, it's kind of an interesting journey, I think, because I, like I said, grew up in this Niner family. I loved football. Um, I was always a bigger kid. So when I wanted to decide I wanted to play a pop Warner, um, it was in, you know, kind of that rough period where, I was bigger, so I got put on the most senior team, yeah. but I was in sixth grade. Yeah. And, you know, I think most people probably realize this, but like, you know, the 
the weakest eighth grader can, you know, usually take even the strongest sixth grader. Like that, that age gap is so massive. Yeah. So I just, I remember I went out, I was, I wasn't quite, I think I was like six pounds overweight. I got my butt kicked. I got the crap kicked out of me. I, I didn't know what I was doing. And it was like the most demoralizing thing. I quit. Um, and, you know, <laughs> interestingly enough, like that was in sixth grade and guys at school would like give me a hard time about it. And because you, like, you so quit or because you got your butt kicked? Because I quit. Oh, okay. It's an important distinction, right? Yes. Like, they would have respected me for sticking around and, and getting my ass kicked. Right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I quit and that was humiliating. Um, you know, and so I, over time I realized, okay, well, I can't go back out next year cause I'm, I'm going to be a lot heavier. There's no chance I'm, I'm going to be able to make weight. Um, but I'm just going to like, I, I need a second chance. I need to go like get this thing straight. So I was like really driven like starting in middle school where I was like, I, I got to go make this happen. Um, and, uh, and is that, yeah, just, was that, was that a, was that a, like, I got to prove to myself or I got to prove to the other kids type of yeah, good, good question. I, I think it was, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to, um, overstate, you know, it was, it was a couple guys who played pop Warner football, who teased me a small handful of times, uh -huh. no more than five. Right. But you know, I internalized that. So to answer your question, it was much more about proving myself. Oh, okay. Um, you know, and it didn't help obviously that to have those kids giving me a hard time, but it was much more about proving it to myself. So, you know, I was really driven. Um, and it, it, it's, you know, it's kind of an unlikely place. Um, cause it's just, you know, football's not a big deal. It's just not like the people who came to our games in high school were, were the band and the parents. <laughs> that was about it. Really? Um, you mean, yeah. so like it, for your high school or for your area football, was it, or are you talking about high school or are you talking about Pop Warner? Oh yeah. Sorry. I skipped ahead a little bit. I'm talking about high school. Oh, okay. So your high school, it wasn't a popular sport for your school. No, it wasn't. So actually um, we, so this is a good story too. So there's, there's one high school, there's one private high school in Marin County called Marin Catholic, and they're kind of the traditional power. Um, they've churned out a few Division One guys. Um, a guy in my class from there was a guy named Travis LeBoy, who did, I think, about 12 years in the NFL. He was a charger um, for, for one season. He was a niner for one season, uh, played at Hawaii. Um, and they'd churned out a few Division One guys. And uh, also, um, more recently, Jared Goff is, is a Marin Catholic grad. Okay. So they were the big powerhouse. The rest of the high schools were just, you know, they, they didn't have a history of, of turning out Division One talent or anything like that. And in fact, my high school was so bad um, that they considered cutting the program completely. Um, they actually did cut the varsity program my sophomore year. Um, so I'm jumping around a little bit, but wait, so foot, I, I go to the football. They cut the varsity team and varsity and football. They cut that over. So that means they kept what junior JV varsity? And freshman. <laughs> oh yeah, they kept JV and freshman. And and to to your point, like or, or to your question about like was football very big? Here's how not big it was. This affected um, two people. There was two seniors who were no longer eligible to play junior varsity, uh, and they got waivers to go play at other schools. One guy transferred to like our rival school. And then another guy just said, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to play football anymore. Um, 
So there's, there's going to be two guys in that senior class. I mean, that's how apathetic people were about football. So we ended up playing that season with a bunch of juniors on JV and we you know, dominated everybody. Um, <laughs> it was pretty fun. But, um, and then I'm guessing know, since you dominated, maybe they brought it back. They did. They brought it back the next year. Right. So, so by the time I was a junior, we got to have it. So, so my freshman year, I'll, I'll kind of start at the beginning. So I, I got to, to uh, my high school. It's called Redwood High School. It's in Larkspur. Um, got into, uh, uh, you know, two-a-days, and it was incredibly um, empowering for me. You know, football for me was, was something that, you know, I, I was able to kind of write that, that wrong. You know, I was able to, to get that self-confidence. And, and it was, at first, it was about proving myself that I could do it. But then all of a sudden, I was in two-a-days, and I was making plays against the varsity. Now, as you just heard, the varsity wasn't that good, but still, you know. <laughs> hey, like, it means something to a freshman. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm like beating seniors in one-on-one pass rush drills, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, like, and that was, um, that was pretty empowering because, again, you know, when I talk about, like, my story was not that likely, my athletic career growing up was playing uh, Little League Baseball. I was not very gifted at, at baseball. Um, I, I was an okay fielder. I couldn't hit. Um, that's and then that's I surprising. I feel like you'd be smashing them over the fence. Yeah, I just never, I don't know. It's a hand-eye coordination. I guess it's a hand-eye coordination <laughs> thing. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But I could field. So, I, you know, uh, yeah, I just, I could never quite get the hang of hitting. I, I mean, I definitely was like, you know, I, I, I mashed a couple big taters um, just because I was a big kid. But uh, yeah. yeah, I definitely, I wasn't, I wasn't very consistent. So, um, so was not very good at baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, also played soccer, which I was terrible at uh, and hated. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> so if, if I'm thinking about my mindset going in it, to, to playing football in ninth grade, you know, I, I just had to convince myself I was going to do it because up until then I was, a crappy baseball player, the only kid from my entire town that didn't make senior majors um, in eighth grade, uh, a really lousy soccer player who used to get yelled at all the time because I just didn't care and didn't try, um, and and a guy who quit football, right? So here I am going to ninth grade, and I'd probably be right to think that, you know, I don't have a shot at ever being successful, but I was just so driven, and, and I was so – I loved the sport. I loved watching it. Um, I was obsessed with the Niners and, and um, you know, those teams, those like Steve Young teams, um, Steve Young, Jerry Rice, Brent Jones, yeah. Ricky Waters. And then on defense, it was like, you know, Ken Norton, Charles Haley, um, Tim McDonald, Merton Hanks. Um, and I was just driven. I was like, I, I'm like, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to do that. And so. So you had despite, aspir- you had aspirations of the NFL young then. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was always something I had an eye on. I, I, I think at that point, I was probably a little more, my mindset was get to Division One, And then from there, I was like, well, if I can get to Division One, then, then, you know, I'll have a shot at least. If I can get to Division One, be successful, then I'll have a shot. That was kind of how I thought about it. And that's how I continued thinking about it all the way up until the day my career ended, right? So, so I think I was smart enough to figure out as like a 13, 14 year old that that was sort of the path is like, you know, take it one, one step at a time, go, go dominate in high school, get your shot at D1, go dominate D1. And then, you know, the rest takes care of itself. Yeah. So, sure. yeah, I mean, I definitely have those aspirations. Um, All right, and, so, uh, so, so let's, let's, let's fast forward to, to your junior senior year. 
uh, or maybe going into your junior, junior, senior year. Um, because like you said, they didn't, have, they didn't have a varsity team for, for a whole season. Um, yep. and then, you know, now you're back. Now the, the varsity is back. So I'm just wondering how a, a, a guy like you, um, or even other guys on your team, maybe that were pretty good. You know, how did recruiting go for you guys? Because if it was, if you guys weren't even, if you guys weren't seen as a, um, you know, a place to recruit from, uh, you didn't have a varsity and then all of a sudden now you do have a varsity and like, how did, how did, how did recruiting go for you? Yeah. I mean, it was an uphill battle. It was an uphill battle. So I missed my sophomore year. I hurt my knee in the first game of the season, tore my meniscus, had surgery, missed the whole season. Um, and then, um, I like, I took a couple trips and went to summer camp this year before my junior year. So like, I didn't really show up in great shape. And I, I think at that point, I didn't really understand what it took. I, for me being driven was, was going out to practice and just trying to like cause as much havoc as possible um, rather than understanding the process of training and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't take that very seriously. So right. I show up, I'm like 220 pounds, um, show up for fall camp. What, what positions were you playing? I was playing offensive tackle and like an outside linebacker, like a three, four outside linebacker. Okay. And how, um, how tall were you at that point? like six five six six oh, so you're close to already with you yeah so yeah so i i grew so i grew six inches my eighth grade year so i came into uh high school at six four i grew another inch uh basically every year so six four six five and then um six six my junior year i ended up growing another year my first year at san diego state which is crazy i, I can't believe that happened <laughs> um it, it, it actually happens more often than not, which, which is crazy. You know, you yeah. hear of guys that, that grow like multiple inches af after they get to college. Yeah, it, I, I, you know, I hadn't grown in like over a year. So I was like, oh, I guess this is it. And then um, I still remember like my first um, uh, like break, like coming back from, from college. Uh, you know, my dad had like the the thing on the, on the door sill, you know, the, the door frame the, with our heights, the, one like, that you're, taller. the door sill that you're taller than. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so the recruiting question is really interesting. So th there's a lot going on here. Okay. First of all, I'll share this information with you. Um, Matt Irvin, who was our tight ends coach. Um, I remember just in a conversation with him one day, he said, Oh yeah, man, that's, that's tough. You played, you played Marin County. Uh, I used to recruit NorCal uh, and I would fly into San Francisco, check out who was good at the Catholic schools there. I would get my rental car and I would go on Highway 101 and I wouldn't stop until I hit Sonoma County. Sonoma County is the next county. Yeah, we go right through. <laughs> so, you know, we, we just weren't even on the map. And I, and I, I naively, I think, thought like, well, it doesn't matter. Like if I'm good, people are going to notice me. And, and to a certain extent that was true. But what I didn't know, uh, which I know now is like these high school coaches build programs. They coach a certain way. They build relationships with college coaches. So a college coach knows that a player is going to ha have been coached a certain way. They're going to be receptive to certain techniques. They're going to understand schematically 
different things. Uh-huh. And if you're kind of this, you know, guy who's a little bit off the radar, they don't really know anything about it. I mean, we played some like weird defense. So it's like, you know, we played, it's actually probably more similar to um, the defense that, that coach long ran. Oh, okay. Um, we, we ran a defense like that. Um, and so, but, but even like, but different. So, you know, someone can't look at me and say, okay, I think he's got a, he'd be a hand in the dirt, um, you know, four, three defensive end because I was up sometimes we would change depending on formation. So, you know, I would like stem from up and up backer down into a three point stance. And they're probably going like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> um, I'm sure the college coaches have no idea what was happening. So anyway, so, so that was like a headwind. Then, you know, I hadn't taken my training seriously going to my junior year. Um, and, and I, I wasn't even really sure what to expect. And I, and I, I think part of me not having taken the training so seriously as well was, was part of like just being really demoralized about the injury and, and being immature about it instead of like saying, Hey, I'm going to come back from this injury bigger, stronger, faster. It was kind of like well, screw it, man. It can all get taken away in an instant. So, you know, whatever. And, you know, I think it's just typical kind of teenage jerk, <laughs> you know, angsty stuff. Yeah. That's, so, th- that's interesting because of, you know, what I know you, ac- you accomplished moving forward and the type of player you were in college. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to hear you say something like that. Because I would have expected you to be like, I'm hurt. Um, I'm about to come back bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think it was maybe just, um, I think environment had a lot to do with it. You know, there weren't a lot of guys, there weren't guys on my team who were trying to get recruited. There weren't guys on my team who, there weren't, being perfectly honest, there's a lot of guys on my team who didn't care if we won or lost. Um, and, and I did, but I think maybe if I'd been around a different group within a environment where there was like a legacy of like winning and like a true program, you know, like we weren't a program. We were, yeah. we were a high school team. Like, I, I didn't, it opened my eyes when I got to college and I, and I learned that like, I'm like, man, they do your laundry for you. You know, and the people <laughs> like, we had this in high school. Did you? No. You know, I, hey, like, I we, didn't have it either. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have any of that. We, yeah, we, we had this like locker room that smelled so bad we would change in our cars. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like we didn't have training. You know, if you got hurt, you, you just went to your doctor or, you know, there was no athletic training. You couldn't get ice. Um, you know, none of that stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, I think that, that hurt as well. And, and certainly that's not, um, I don't mean to, to disrespect my coach, uh, cause I still am in touch with him. He's, he's a great guy. Um, but he was just working with what he had. Right. And so there's not a lot of enthusiasm. It's not the kind of school that you're going to get funding for trainers. Um, I, he paid out of his own pocket for a chiropractor yeah. to give us adjustments, um, during the week. Right. So it's just kind of what it was. So I think like all that stuff kind of added up to maybe where it was like, what is this anyway? This is like one step above, you know, like beer league. (laughs) I think that's maybe what I thought at the time. Now here's what happened. My junior year, we came back and we ended up going to the playoffs. The first time we've gone to the playoffs in 30 years or something like that. Wow. That could make a movie Um, out of that. You, you Dude, lose. There was the, a lose. I remember at the time in Sports Illustrated where they're like, uh, they wrote us up. So we, we went from having cut the varsity team to like being in Sports Illustrated, like just a little blurb. Yeah. And it said like, you know, they're talking about making a movie. And that was the last I heard. I, I don't think that movie's coming out anytime soon. But, <laughs> Maybe if um, you would have won 
championship yeah, or something. Yeah, right. Maybe we didn't get bounced in the first round. Um, <laughs> so, but but that was good. And and you know, and I really put it. I started putting it together. Um, I I really started learning how to play um, football. You know, and I, I was learning how to just how to be a more effective player and uh, started becoming a vocal leader and stepping up in all those ways and, and really started falling in love with it. Um, and, you know, I played really well down the stretch. Um, like I forced a fumble at the end of the game that helped us get the go ahead touchdown, which is the win we needed to, to um, go to the playoffs against our rival, you know, last game of the season. So, you know, and all those things really got me excited and, and really, you know, it was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. Yeah. I, I have, I'm a firm believer that success breeds uh, more success, you know, because, because you get a taste of it. And then once you get that taste, you're like, I want more, I want more. And, and, you know, yeah. and then that's when people mm -hmm. sacrifice uh, to get to attain, you know, like whether it's coming back, bigger, stronger, faster, you know, sacrificing, hanging out for training or doing stuff like that. So yep. yeah, I, I, I definitely believe that's what happened. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and again, I wouldn't do anything over. Uh, and I don't, I certainly don't blame anyone for this, but just like the environment was such that it didn't even seem that out of character for me to kind of blow off, you know, post-injury. Right. And it, it, if it had been a different environment, it would have been a very different result. And, and um, again, I don't, I don't want to take anything back. It's a cool story. Like the, what I just told you, that's awesome, man. And yeah. I'm so proud of that. So, so certainly and, don't regret any of it, but. Um, and you might not be on this podcast right now. You might be, that's on, right. you might be on the Alabama podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, so this go, this feeds into my recruitment by um, I remember I come home from school. Um, this is like a week after the season ends. And there's a letter from Stanford with the football helmet on it addressed to me. And I'm like, what is this? Like, what? And like, open it up. And it's like, dear Brendan Darby, like, we've identified you as a prospect. And we want to, like, stay in touch with you. And please, like, fill out this form with your contact information. And I was just like, <laughs> like, I hit the roof. I, I could not believe it. I was over the moon. Um, and I was so excited and that's when it was like that holy crap moment, like, wow, like, okay, maybe I got a shot now. Maybe like, maybe I can go, go do this. And over the next you know days and weeks, the letters just started rolling in from all these schools. And I was like, I was blown away, right? I'm getting letters from Colorado, from Cal, from, you know, UW. I was getting letters from like Arizona state. Um, then started getting letters from like San Jose state, um, uh, started getting letters from like Fresno, like, you know, all, like all these schools on the West coast. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I was like, wow. Okay. So like, I can, I can really start doing this. So that's when I really kind of was like I switched on and it was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to train like a beast. I'm going to like, I'm going to do this. And so, you know, just hit the weight room. Um, so this is, this is going into your senior year, correct? Yeah. This is like between junior and senior year. And so, um, went from like 220 my junior year to got up to 255 by my senior year. Hey, um, so I got really big. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd hit the weights really hard and, and, um, you know, it was definitely a lot bigger. I mean, it's funny. You watch the, the, if you see the tape between my junior and senior year, it's like, looks like two different people. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I was also our, um, 
our offensive line coach was a former New York Giant. Um, the guy played for like 10 years um, for Parcells. Oh, so and you did was, have some type of something. Yeah, in yeah. Your, in your program. Um, I mean, that's... Yeah. Most guys don't have that or most schools don't have that. No, no. He was a tremendous resource. And we, we ended up staying in touch uh, many years after. Um, and he was a great guy. His name is Doug Riesenberg. And he lived locally uh, because he, had, he was from Idaho but had gone to Cal in college and then played almost his whole career at the Giants, um, but had always thought, you know, Marin was great and wanted to live here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so um, happened to run into one of my friends, my, one of my friend's dads ran into him at the post office and said, you look like a football player. Uh, and he said, well, yeah, I am. And he said, well, why don't you coach, come coach my son's team? And so that was like how that happened, right? It was kind of this chance encounter. It was meant um, to be, it was meant yeah, to be. Yeah, totally. Um, got to learn a ton of great techniques from him. Um, so that was really helpful. Uh, you know, um, it was also helpful. Like we had Marin Catholic was really good that year. So, and they had some really good players. And so being able to like put some good film out against other division one prospects was really helpful. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, so then, oh, now you, you said, you just said that. So I, I was going to ask you when you started talking about the letters, how do you think that you got on their radar? Just in your personal opinion. I have no idea, to be honest, because this is pre-internet. This is pre-YouTube. Um, but you don't think you don't you don't think the fact that you were playing those other teams that could have had recruits, you know, because they put full games on there sometimes. And maybe 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 your school was the game that everybody put their on their highlight, like had Amen. great games. But that also allowed for you a chance to shine. Yeah. I also wonder if um, there's just uh, like databases, you know, like when they put rosters in the newspaper, if they've got student assistants who are just, you know, okay, anybody, anybody over like six, three, let's like throw them in there. Yeah, um, that could be, you know, as you know, like, like I said, that letter got me so excited, but as you know, the letter doesn't mean anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The questionnaire. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hey, I, mean, I used to, I thought it was something though too back then. Yeah, I, I did too. And then, and then, you know, cut to my senior year. I remember the first day um, of, I think it was September 1st was like the first day that they uh, allowed uh, you that, that the coach were allowed to call the players. I got a call at like seven thirty in the morning. I was getting ready for school from Nevada and uh, it, was, it was coach house. Wow. And, uh, coach house was like, Hey man, Brendan Darby, how you doing? Um, love coach house. I was so, so happy when he came to San Diego state, but yeah. um you know, so that's, you know, that's kind of where the rubber meets the road, right? Is, is between the letters and the calls. Is, uh-huh. is who's calling? That's who's really important. Um, now, what you didn't hear me say was San Diego State. They weren't recruiting me. Um, and so what I had done uh, between my uh, junior and senior year was I printed out my transcript. Um, I made like a cover letter. Uh, and this is my dad. My dad was really big on this. Uh, and then we just had like, we made like 250 copies of my highlight tape and it was a real tape. (laughs) Yes. Um, Oh, I was, I was in that, (laughs) that time as well. Yeah. And so we sent these packages out, um, to, I mean, it was literally like every school watched the Rockies basically. And, and I'm talking, um, division one, one double a, Division two, even a couple D threes, because it was just like you know who knows, and so just wanted to to get as much exposure as possible. Um, 
So that was, I'm going to tell you right now, that's huge because to be honest, I, I don't know of a lot of players that even have the resources to, or at least back then for sure, mm-hmm. had the resources to, to get 250 <laughs> tapes, you know, and yeah. put a film together. Uh, you know, like nowadays, I feel like everybody has a highlight film, even the guys that don't really play that much, you yeah, know, yeah. and you look on YouTube and, you know, that yeah, you'll you'll like, find a highlight of them. But um, Huddle, Huddle makes it super easy to like to do it and to isolate yourself. I mean, I remember I had to go to a guy and I, I had to go. You remember the VCRs had that four digit counter. Mm-hmm. And so I had to say like counter number, you know, this to this. I want this play. So I went through all my game tape. I wrote down the plays I wanted. I gave it to this guy and he compiled a highlight tape. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we had to make like 250 copies or something crazy like that. So, yeah, I mean, and, and that was my dad. Right. So I, I owe him a lot for that because, you know, I think a lot of guys either, well, either like maybe they don't have a dad around or, or any kind of figure who, who is going to push them like that. Facts. Or maybe even just like, in, even in a really good case, they come from like a stable family. They, they just don't have a dad who's thinking like that or, or sorry, anyone in the family who's thinking like that or, or even understands. And, you know, I think like my dad was in sales. So I think he understood like, oh, you got to like, you got to kick down doors and, and yeah. you got to get in front of people. What's, it's not going to come to you. What's crazy for me, you say that and, and that's basically what happened with, with me. My dad, he always, just growing up, he always had a camera in his hand. So I've been fortunate enough to see myself (laughs) grow from a young baby all the way up to even today. You know, you'll see my dad on his phone now taping. Um, But No, I remember your dad uh, talking about wanting to put together a tape for me uh, when we went to a Chargers game. Really? Oh, I said next to him and he's like, like, I watched you play. I was watching that fourth quarter of the Ravens game. You know, you were yeah, so he, so he, to be honest, he used to do it for fun just because he enjoyed it. And he would tape my games, you know, he would tape every, I mean, even as a young kid. But by him recording, to be honest, that is a lot of the guys on my team, my high school team, were using my dad's footage. Like, oh, really? ori- like originally, my dad started just taping me, right? Mm. But then... My coach asked him, oh, can I see the the tape? And then he realized I might need to get more of the game. (laughs) So he started recording, like, I I would say my my senior year, he recorded every game, everything. And he put together, like, a whole highlight. Like, this is my, would be my 20-year anniversary of my senior year of high school. And we won CIF. We won the championship. So, like, I... uh, I got the tape that he made and I reconstructed it and made a whole new like 20 anniversary tape and put it on YouTube for all my like uh, all my teammates from from that year. And I, you know, I just blasted, you know, emails and whatever and just said, hey, you know, just happy anniversary. Um, I actually just talked to my head coach yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. And uh, we're I think we're going to try and get together if we can get, you know, some guys together just to kind of get uh, celebrate but um yeah like like the the fact that the fact that my dad was taping it probably got some guys recruited yeah that's awesome i i would say do what you can to make that reunion happen because um we i had my high school reunion last year my 20 year 
and we did the night before the reunion, we did a, a football only uh, and we went to a steakhouse and, and nice. hung out and it was just so great. Uh, we had so much fun and it was just like, I'm so glad we did it. Uh -huh. um, and you know, I'm still in like a big group chat with all those guys. Um, and, cool. and yeah, so, so it's definitely, um, I, I would, I would encourage you to, to pull out all the stops to make it happen because it's a really special thing. And, and it was a, it's a really good memory and I'm glad we, we made the effort to do it. All right, so now you're being recruited. Now I, I need to know how San Diego State got on the map or got you on the radar. Here, here's how San Diego State got on the map. Coach Baldwin um, was uh, bored sitting in his office one day and decided to start going through the stack of tapes. And um, he saw me uh, just, you know, Coach Baldwin loved physical offensive line play. And he saw me just, uh, you know, slobber knock a, a linebacker on a screen um, from Marine Catholic. And he was like, I like this guy. Yeah. Um, and he started watching more of the tape. And, and, you know, I think he started liking more of what he saw because, you know, for me, I, I, I always, you know, again, like I, I'm not the fastest guy in the world, but um, I could keep up with most of the DBs in the high school league I played in. So, if there was a run broken, I was going to try to go down and flatten the safety uh, yeah. or somebody chasing the play. And, and I think that's what he really liked. He saw the effort and, and the physicality, which was something that I really prided myself on. Um, and so uh, so then he uh, the, the guy who was covering my area was a guy named Samuel Watson, um, who's also an ex-Aztec. Um, and he was a GA at the time. And so he called me. And so we started uh, you know having conversations. And so at this point, um, you know, the, the, what was in the pack 10, I'll date myself. Uh, the pack 10 was, was kind of off the radar. Um, Cal was, was sending me feelers every once in a while. I think they called me once or twice, but, uh, you know, Stanford had bailed and, and none of those other teams were showing much interest. And so it was mostly coming down to what at that time was the whack and would soon become the mountain West. Uh -huh. um, so what, what, so. what were the, what were like the main three? Let's get to the main three. I just want to know who was our competition. Yeah, yeah. Competition was uh, Columbia. I really wanted to go to oh. Columbia. Uh, um, the the academies really wanted me, but I decided that I just that wasn't what I wanted to do. Like, just to I, I couldn't picture four years of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was not what I was looking for in my college experience. Um, I. As a as your former teammate, <laughs> knowing you, I couldn't see it there either. Yeah, not yeah, not my thing. Um, and then uh, uh, San Jose State um, was coming on really hard, uh, and then um, Portland State. Okay. And those were the guys. Uh, and then, just really out of the blue, I remember like three days before signing day, Villanova, who I'd never spoken to, was like, "Why don't you come play? Like, come out, like." you'll do a quick visit. Like they wanted to have me come do a, like a Wednesday visit and like leave school. It was very strange. Um, it's kind of strange how all this stuff happens, like recruiting games. So um, it can be so. They tried to sneak in there real quick. Yeah. Right. They probably had somebody else back out. Well, it's all, it's all a big shuffle, right? So yeah. Alabama comes and poaches this guy from, you know, Vanderbilt and then now Vanderbilt's got to go scramble and they go take away a commit from, Texas Tech, and then that, you know, and, and all the way down to, yep. you know, <laughs> Villanova calls me, uh, come out to Philly and, and come play for us. Um, so, so that was the competition. Now, the interesting thing was um, I was getting 
pressure, not pressure, but the advice I was getting from my coach. And then uh, my dad had a friend who had played in, uh, played at Cornell in like the 1970s or something. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing they kept saying is like, if San Diego State really wanted you, they would offer you a scholarship. And they had not offered me. Um, and when it, what is this, what, what month is this at this point? Coming down the wire. It's like a couple weeks of signing day. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, and so they're like, go, you know, they're like, go take the scholarship. You take the scholarship in hand, take the scholarship in hand. But, um, you know, San Jose State had really not been a very good team um, at that point. They had had, you know, for the last several years had been probably one of the worst teams in Division One, unfortunately. Um, and it was really close at home. I also kind of wanted to branch out a little bit, see somewhere different. Yeah. Um, you know, Portland State was a 1AA, and I just felt like, man, I, I, I remember having this very distinct feeling, and I felt this about Portland State and about the Ivies that I was talking to. Um, Princeton was another one. That if I took that, I, there would always be a question in my mind of like, could I have played at a higher level? Yeah. And, and so to me, like San Diego State kind of checked all the boxes. They were coming off a good year, but they hadn't offered me a scholarship. And so everyone's saying, just go, go to Portland State, go to San Jose State. And um, I was just like, I was thinking to myself, what am I going to do uh, if, if they don't offer me? It was, a, it was really stressful. Now, did you go on a trip? I went on a trip. So usually if you go on a trip, they offer you. Yeah. Um, and who, who, else, who else was on your trip that I may know? Um, or that, that did end up coming, I should say, maybe. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It would have been Ross Marchbanks. I don't know. Uh, Bishop Miller. Um, there were a couple of JC guys. So they might've been gone by the time you, you rolled around. Um, and then Dean Ed. Okay. I think that was everybody. Um, D'Angelo yeah. Ned, shout out. That's right. What's <laughs> up, Dean Ed? We, uh, I, I saw him fairly recently. Um, he's doing well. Um, I gotta, I gotta get his, uh, deep late night voice on this show. Oh yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah, it would be, um, yeah, he's got a voice for radio for sure. Absolutely. He has his own podcast. Oh, he does? Yeah, I believe so. I got I got to start shouting him out. All right, I got to check it out. So, yeah, so so D'Angelo Ned, I think cuz at that point, so we had a really small freshman class. Um there was like you know, some really small it was like 12 guys in our freshman class or something like that. So, um there weren't a lot and a lot of the guys that they wanted <laughs> were <laughs> were in the earlier um trip. So, so I think it was just me and Dinette that ended up going. Um, but, uh, they, so I don't have an offer. And, and I, when I went on my trip, um, you know, I went and, you know, usually you don't see the head coach on your trip. Uh, usually on day two, uh-huh. uh, they, you go and you get some one-on-one time with the coach in, in his office. Uh-huh. And, um, this is I, Tolner, correct? This is coach Tolner. Yep. Um, we weren't even in his office. We were at a restaurant downtown or not downtown, like out on, um, Coronado? Yeah, yeah, I don't like Coronado, I think. And, and uh, he, <laughs> uh, you got to hand it, Coach Tolner's not going to, uh, you know, blow sunshine at you. Uh, he said, well, uh, to be honest, uh, I don't really know anything about you. I've never heard <laughs> of this from. Coach Baldwin seems to really like you, uh, but uh, I don't have a scholarship for you. So, Dang. so, but at least now you know who's the one that wants you the most. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so, you know, and, and to be fair, like they had brought in there was three scholarships for linemen, and um, 
uh, they ended up going to a guy from Orange County who, who got injured and quit after his first year. Um, he had a pretty bad back injury, so it was understandable. Another guy um, who ended up quitting after our second year, uh, and then Sean Dickey. Um, hey. and he was also an Orange County guy. The guy who quit after the second year was uh, played at a really strong school in Stockton. So again, these guys who, you know, played at these pretty established programs, playing both with and against, you know, a slew of guys who were playing on Saturdays in the Pac-10 and, and Big Ten. And, you know, it, the, to go back to, to like what kind of environment I played in, it was so funny, you know, we're watching these games, you know, because we play at seven o'clock at night. So we sit around and watch college football all day. Yeah. I'm watching with these guys. Oh, I know him. I know him. Oh, I play against him. I play against him. I play against him. You know, and then we, we play the game, and then they know they know seven or eight guys on the other team. You know, and I'm yeah. like so weird. Like I, you know, I knew like one other guy. Um, <laughs> I feel you. Well, I, yeah. I I also went to a smaller like Christian school. You know, yeah, that's right. I, I guess we're so, so yeah. So I mean, I'm not saying our program to me was top notch uh, because we had. Pretty much every single coach on our on our staff was either uh, Division One or NFL. <laughs> so we had, and two of them went to San Diego State. So like we were actually three of them. Shoot, uh, yeah, we had three San Diego State uh, alums. But yeah, we had a, a nice nice coaching staff, and our program was ran like a like a college program. Yeah. So, so I, I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't have the same experience, but I'm saying when when I'm looking at these guys like, you know, like uh, Marvio Underwood and um, uh, Kirk Morrison, you know, they're they're telling me all the guys that they played against or growing yeah. up or guys that they, you know, played with. I'm like, shoot, they're all like all in the uh, NFL. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So so it was, it was kind of funny uh, in that way. So. Um, what ended up happening was, was I, I do have to thank coach Baldwin. He really went to the mat for me and, and they didn't have a scholarship for me, but he, um, shoot, what did I, what was it? I signed, I had to walk on my first year, but I signed a, not a letter of intent, but the grant in aid. So, so he was able to give me a grant in aid for the following year. And I just had to walk on that first year. Nice. Um, so we're so we're we're almost to be honest we're kind of almost similar uh, paths and similar yeah. story. I got injured my junior year, mm-hmm. season-ending injury, fractured nerve channel on my back. Um, didn't get highly recruited. Got offered one scholarship, and it was to a one AA school, South Carolina State. And mm-hmm. I was I was th- my mindset was the same thing. Like I know if I go. To a one because my goal was Division One, so I was like, if I know if I go to a Division One AA school, I'm probably gonna come back home after a year. Probably gonna transfer to a JC uh, and have to go that route. And I ended up, and again, they told me that they didn't. San Diego State told me they didn't have a scholarship for me unless it got turned down by. I want to say it was Jeff Webb. To be honest. <laughs> So, J-Dub. yeah, J-Dub. So he obviously ended up taking the scholarship, so they didn't have one for me, and I did, like, a priority walk-on. I didn't get, like, a grant and aid stuff, but, like, basically, um, you know, my grandpa was was there for me. He stepped in and, and helped me pay for my first first year of, of college. But 
and then I ended up earning one. But what's crazy to me is we have similar paths. Yeah. You know? And I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of people did. Like, it was it was interesting. Like, a lot of people didn't know I was a walk-on. Um, and it was sort of funny because the guys that were walk-ons that ended up being successful and earning scholarships usually got a lot of, like, pub about it. Like, there was, like, articles yeah. about it and stuff. Or there's a whole section of the media guy about walk-ons. Like me? Like me? Yeah, hey, like, hey. yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and then, like, but I never, like, I think no one just, like, no one thought I was a walk-on. Everyone just thought I was a scholarship guy. Yeah, so. I never would have guessed that. Never. Yeah. If if I was on a game show, I would have lost a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. You, well, if I was your lifeline, you could have called me and I would have told you. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I would say I think the, the way our paths are different, though, is I, I, I have a very clear memory of you showing up on day one. And it was like, how the hell is that guy not on scholarship? Um, for <laughs> me, my first camp was a little rough uh, and, and the learning curve was was tough. The, the best thing that happened to me was Kabir Bajabi Miller because I had to line up against that guy every single wow. day. Wow. <laughs> yeah. team. That was uh, definitely a blessing in disguise. All right. So now, wait, you jumped now. So we, you, you finally are now at San Diego State. Um, you know, I just want to paint the picture. You mm -hmm. know, you're, you're uh, what, six, what by then? Six. I'm six, six. Six, six. But, but by then? Because you grew yeah. an inch in college, so you're Not six five. The season, though. Okay, so six six six, and two hundred and sixty eight pounds. Sixty eight pounds. All right, so yeah, that's a good size to come in as a as a, a freshman, a lineman. Yeah. I think you know yeah. you have some room to grow and and hopefully grow in a healthy way, not in a <laughs> you know Twinkies and. <laughs> ding <Right>. dong way <laughs> yeah. games man yeah um and then um yeah you're going against name some of the guys you were going against i mean you named kabir but i'm sure there was some other yeah there's there's kabir there was um a guy named rico curtis who was a oh, safety yeah. linebacker kind of hybrid just one of the one of the most fearsome hitters in college football at that point um for sure uh, there was a guy named Antoine Young, Big Tuan. He was uh -huh. um, he was he was a good player. Um, and then the other defensive end was a guy named Scotty Nichols. Oh Scotty yeah, Nick. Scotty Nick. So so yeah. your mentality. I want to know your mentality going in. Were you thinking I'm redshirting, or were you thinking I might play? No, I, I was realistic. I, I just knew that I wasn't big enough to play. Um, and you know, I actually I know a lot of guys. Uh, I didn't see it so much on our team, but I've talked to other guys who, you know, the thought of redshirting was like, you know, horrible. Preposterous. And, yeah, right. Like, and, and I guess I get it. Like, they want to play right away. I understand that. For me, I was actually really looking forward to getting a year to grow, getting a year to get in the weight room, getting a year to like learn the techniques and the offense and everything. And so, yeah. you know, I enjoyed it. And and plus, I mean, shoot, man, we went to San Diego state. It was really fun to, you know, absolutely. Socializing and that we got to do it. It was great. Um, so, so I wasn't in any hurry, you know, <laughs> I'm going to stay you here. Gonna make six. Year? Is that a punishment? Um, right. Like Akbar, <laughs> what did you get? Six. Yeah, Akbar, Ryan Iata too. He got six. Um, so, <laughs> and yeah. and who were the O linemen on the the squad at that point? Was Chester? Um, yeah, so so Chester Pitts, who was the second round pick of the Texans, 
Uh, the seniors at that time, they had a, that offensive line was really good. That, that was a, a killer offensive line. It was um, uh, a guy named Andrew Klein, who was a seventh round draft pick of the Rams. Um, it was a guy named Brad Elmore, uh, who for a while had the squat record, really big, strong guy. Um, then it was um, uh, a guy named Greg Spillane, uh, was the, the open side tackle. And a guy named Ted Printy um, was, the, was the weak side guard. And the center was Mike Milano, there you uh, go. who was an All-American. Um, <laughs> and he was a seventh-round draft pick uh, by the Vikings. Got it. Um, great guy. Uh, I saw, ran into him in Vegas uh, for the Vegas Bowl a couple years ago. Um, and so, I mean, those were guys to learn from, right? I mean, they were, they were incredible. They were so good and so physical. And like I said, I mean, in those days, uh, you know, the offense was, was pretty smash mouth. It was um, – it was zone. We would line up in too tight and run inside zone. And that was yes. like <laughs> coach, coach Tolner was famous for saying, you know, it's, if it's fourth and inches and we can't get it, we don't deserve to win. Bob and Lisa, right? Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, now. So when did you actually get to play? You redshirted your first year and then your second year, I guess that would have been 2001. It would have been the, the 2000 season. 2000. Okay. So you're yeah, two I years. High school 99, so I, I redshirted fall of 99. And then my, I, my first, I first started playing in fall of 2000. Okay. All right. So now you are. Yeah, so, so, um, I said, right. I said, I said, I had a really rough fall camp. My first fall camp got really good going against Kabir every day. Um, and you know, was really feeling really excited about the opportunity. Um, got a great opportunity in spring ball that year almost every lineman got hurt at one point. I think for the final spring scrimmage, we had five linemen. Um, and I think there was only a small handful of guys that did every single spring practice. There were some people hurt. Mm -hmm. So I ended up playing like every snap of all the three spring scrimmages did pretty well. Um, you know, I think I, I showed out, I graded out pretty highly on all those. And so going into that fall, you know, it was like, I was going to be in the mix. Um, and, you know, that I, I'd gotten up to about 285 pounds, 290 pounds. So I was just feeling big and strong enough to play. Were um, you on scholarship at this point? I, I was on scholarship starting in, in the fall of 2000. Um, <clears throat> and uh, had a pretty good camp um, and went into the season as, as the swing tackle. So, you know, back up to both tackles. It was uh, Chester and then a guy named Chris Williams. First game of season against Arizona State. Chris Williams gets rolled up on a pile, tears his ACL. I'm in. Um, so played the rest of that game. Uh, and then next week we're playing Illinois, who at this point was a very good Illinois team um, and uh, had a ton of future NFL guys on it. Um, there's a guy named Tony Pasho, who I played on the Ravens with. He's a mammoth offensive lineman. Um, I'm drawing a blank on some of the other guys, but they had some really good players. And, uh, yeah, so his, like, second game of my freshman year is, like, you're starting. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I remember when Coach called me uh, on, my, on my landline at home to tell me. Um, and I, I remember I ran out. Uh, we lived in one of those apartment buildings you see in Southern California a lot that are rectangular with the pool in the middle, you know? Uh -huh. you got, like, yeah. <laughs> and I just remember running down, like, and I just ran down the stairs into the pool. I don't know why. But I was standing by the pool just going, like, Oh my God. You know, like I was so stoked. <laughs> Sounds like a movie. <laughs> yeah, it was. It felt like a movie. I called my parents. They're like, we're going to like, 
you know, they're like, oh my God, we're gonna watch, you know, they, I think they even tried to book a flight, but it was late notice, so they couldn't. Um, so anyway, yeah, so that was, that was cool. And then, um, you know, I played okay, not great. Um, you know, I think for me as a tackle, I didn't get my quarterback blown up. So that, that was like kind of a win. Um, but, it, you know, what, I, I what, but okay. what, did, what now? Okay. Obviously I play football, you know, and yes. I know a dominant player when I see one, whether it doesn't matter what position, but what entails a good, uh, let's just say a great game for an old lineman and maybe uh I know what a not great, <laughs> I know what a not great game would be, but like, let's just say not so great, you know, because you just said, yeah, it was not so great, but I didn't yeah. get my quarterback blown up. So like, I just want to get a picture of what is a great game for O-lineman, like what is like the ideal game for an O-lineman, and then what's a, eh, it's, it's all right. Think about it this way. It's, it's um, assignment technique and effort. Okay. Right. So, so if you are blocking the correct person, uh -huh. if you are doing so in a way that is technically correct, uh -huh. and if you are giving it your all, then you're all good. That's a perfect game. Okay. You do that 85 times, you, you've played a perfect game. Would you add, um, would you add a couple pancakes, you know, like, like yeah, dominant I mean, plays in there to make it, to, to make it over that top? That's a good question. You know, I'm a process guy. So I guess to me, if I've got the right, uh, assignment, technique, and effort, then I'm going to get a pancake. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I've got a much better chance at it. Yeah. So, you know. Okay. Fair enough. And what's a, what's a not so, because I feel like to me, if I was to say um, what I thought, I would say an O-lineman could either have a great game or a horrible game. Mm -hmm. I don't really see an O-lineman really having a okay not so great you know like yeah i so just I feel like there, it's it's one or the other yeah so so i would say uh, just an okay game is like you know you you didn't give up any sacks but you're not blowing people off the ball you're uh -huh. not um you know you're not be you could be more physical you could get better effort you could um you know execute your technique better uh, you know, there's, there's all those little things. I mean, the, yeah. the offensive line is such a detail oriented. I mean, football is all detail oriented, but I, I'm, I always tell this story, but it was a great story. My first day of fall camp, I still remember we were running an inside zone and um, it got blown up and we're watching it in film and coach Baldwin talked about this play for like 20 minutes <laughs> and he was talking about why it got blown up. And the reason it got blown up is because the guard um, took a, 12 inch brace step instead of a six inch brace step and it opened him up. Mm -hmm. And so then he wasn't able to get enough forward momentum going to get into his block. Mm -hmm. So the defensive tackle took it to him. So it pushed him back. Well, on inside zone, the running backs uh, read is the guard's butt. So he's all of a sudden reading this butt, which is now in his face and he kind of freezes and doesn't know what to do. And he's got a lineman in his lap. Yeah. Um, and then the defense just swarms. Right. Yeah. And it's all because of this mistake that's literally this big yeah. foot placement. Right. Yeah. And, and so those are the things. Right. So it's like, OK, you block the right guy. You got there. But what you need to do is, you know, make sure you're bringing that near hand so that you can maintain your leverage. Right. Like your 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 helmet landmark is off. You can't you know make that block unless you're putting, you know, your near ear hole on his on his far side. Right. There's, 
there's all those small technique things that I'm sure you know. I mean, I've never been in a receiver meeting room, but I'd imagine it's, hey, this is a this is a 13-yard route, Rob. Why are you running at a 12 and a half? You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, you get those. You obviously get those from the coaches, but <laughs> all that stuff erases if you catch that rock and you score a touchdown. You know, like you can have the worst technique, but if you catch the ball and you go to the house, they're not telling you anything, you know. Yeah. And then it's the plays where you drop the ball and or something happens, you know, and they're like, oh, now they want to nitpick. But like, yeah. it's cool to hear that coming from an old lineman because a lot of people that's all they do see is the catches and the runs and all that stuff. But they, and obviously they see you guys blocking, but they don't understand that six inches Mm -hmm. could have saved that play. Right. You know, like that's how fine and detailed it is. And that's how much of a team game it is because if that person does their job and in hoping that everybody else does their job, you could be successful. And yeah. if you don't do your job, if one person doesn't do his job, the entire play is done. It doesn't matter what great block I have on the outside as a receiver. Yeah. If it's blown up, it's blown up. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think also like, you know, a lot of times if you're, if you're on the other side of the play, like your block isn't really crucial. So, if the O-line doesn't have a culture where you're going to get your technique picked apart on every snap, then I think guys would kind of tend to tend to take it off. So, yeah. and, and coach Baldwin is an intense guy. So, you know, he's, he's, he's not going to let that stuff slide. Uh-huh. What did you learn most from your journey that you took with you moving forward? Yeah. Good question. I think it's funny. I think about it this way. Um, the story I told you, it's, it's a, it is, you know, opportunities is luck meeting preparation. Right. And, um, and I prepared and my opportunity came a lot sooner because of luck. And, um, I don't, I, I don't have any illusions about, you know, like, you know, it happened to me because it was meant to be or because I deserve it or anything like that. You know, it's like, deserves got nothing to do with it. That's another Clint Eastwood quote, right? Um, it, I got lucky. I, I'm lucky as hell, man. Like, I, I won't try to, I, I would never try to tell people that, you know, I, I did this because of every, it was me. I, I did, I worked my butt off to get there, which I did, but like, I benefited from just a lot of weird stuff happening that I could never could have imagined. Yeah. And, if that's not life, right? Like, I don't know what is, you know? Like, yeah, but I mean, if you weren't ready, if you weren't prepared for the, the situation, they you would have gone in and been right out of there real quick because I know they had other guys they could have went to. They didn't stop recruiting guys. They, they recruited someone to come in and take my job every single year. Yeah. Every single year. Yep. And I, I used to tease coach about it. I, he didn't like it. I, he, we weren't, we didn't quite have that much of a relationship. I'm like, oh, this, this is the guy you got to, to replace me. <laughs> kind of shot you give him. Um, Cause I was cocky, right. At, yeah. at that point, because I still felt like, well, if, if, if I haven't proven myself, then like by this point, then they're never going to believe in me. So I, I'm just going to have that chip on my shoulder. But you're right. But I think it's important to it's important to understand how those two things play into each other. Because for me, I try to be, 
you know, I, I just don't, I don't buy that people end up in places where they, that are less desirable or places they didn't anticipate solely because they're a bad person or they didn't work hard enough or whatever, right? Like yeah. sometimes SHIT just happens, right? And yeah. sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. But to, to back up what you said, it's about, you've got to be prepared. You've got to prepare always and, and have that intensity about being prepared in whatever it is that you're doing, right? Like, like, what are you doing to get better? What are you doing to make sure that you can put yourself in a position to be the best? Because something could happen tomorrow that's going to drastically change your position. If you're not prepared, it's going to throw you for a loop. But just because something good or bad doesn't happen to you doesn't necessarily mean anything about you. It's not a judgment, right? So it's, you, you've got to, you know, if you're in my shoes right now, you young football players out there, just because you haven't gotten a crack yet, it doesn't mean that you can't play. You've got to put your head down and, and work, you know? Yeah. On that note, on that note, I always ask guys, if you could talk to your 18 year old self or just somebody in that position, what's, you know, maybe one thing that you would tell yourself. You now get a, get a phone call to yourself. What you going to say? That's a good question. There's a couple different ways I'm thinking about it. Um, I, hey, I, I'm open to them all because <laughs> I think it would be pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it would be you know, know, know your worth as a student athlete. Know your worth That's to the university and do not be shy about demanding um, equitable treatment. Wow. Do not be shy about um, having open and honest conversations with your coaches, no matter how hard it can be. Um, I do think that um, you can get put in some difficult situations as a student athlete. Um, are, you speaking, look, are you speaking in terms of, terms of like on the field or, or off the field too? Probably more off the field. Um, look, like I said, I have great memories and, and, and I, I love my time there. And, and I, you know, I donate money to the school and we're on, we're on good terms. But look, at the end of the day, there's not another uh, organization out in the world, at least from a sports perspective, like the NCAA. And, uh, you know, I don't think it is my opinion that a scholarship is not sufficient uh, compensation. Facts. And so uh, while I don't encourage a player to break those rules, what I would say is have the confidence and understanding of the role you are playing. Um, and I think it will help you better understand where you fit in uh, and will help equip you to make better decisions for yourself. Yeah, I, I agree. Totally agree with that. And that's a good like that was probably the first answer that I, I never would have expected. <laughs> that was pretty good. Know your worth. I love that. So all you guys listening right now that possibly might be on your way to uh, a university or are at a university, know your worth as a student athlete. I love that. A lot of times we don't get to hear what the offensive linemen went through and what, you know, the opportunities that may or may not have come. So I yeah. appreciate you sharing that with us. And uh, 
I want to have you back on the show at some point. Uh oh, we got a picture. My photo's on the wrong wall. Hey, he's showing me a, a, a Niners photo of him. Yeah, so we didn't even get that part of the story. I got to fulfill my dreams and play for the 49ers. That was pretty cool. I know that's part two. See now, okay. now let me just explain to you and to everybody else that is listening to this podcast. I want to get everybody on this show and learn about who they were before they got to San Diego State, how they got to San Diego State, and then, you know, their story while they were at San Diego State. Part two, once I kind of get a good foundation of people, of guests, I want guys to come back on, and I want to talk about not then their transition from San Diego State moving forward. Um, I feel like, you know, already, like just – Right now, we're having this conversation, and it's already way over the time of a regular podcast. So I can't fit your entire story on one episode. So Brendan Darby will have another episode. You just got to stay tuned for it. Stay tuned for episode two. <laughs> Part two. Um, so, again, I appreciate you, and we will get into your story, the life after San Diego State for, for Darby. Um, and. Uh, Look, stay blessed, stay positive, and uh, always, always keep that smile on your face. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So that was the Aztec Legacy Podcast with Brendan Darby. I appreciate you guys for tuning in, and uh, stay tuned for what we got moving forward. Legacy. 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 Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.